Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello everyone, just to let you know before you listen to the podcast that we're holding eight free curriculum design events for primary senior leaders in coastal locations all around the country from early next year, 2020. These half-day events are for schools who don't currently use cornerstones because we'll be covering the essential aspects of curriculum design that if you are using cornerstones, you'll already have in place. Now, as well as covering curriculum design, we'll also be showing you how to reduce workload so you can really free teachers up to teach and how to craft a curriculum that is right for your school's context and values. We're excited to be joined by the inspirational award-winning deputy head teacher and author Jonathan Lear of Gorilla Ed fame and you'll also be able to hear from local schools about their own curriculum design journey and the impacts they're having. We're coming to Grimsby, Lowestoft, Sittingbourne, Bournemouth, Plymouth, Bristol, Blackpool and Hartlepool and you can book up to two free places on each event. There's a morning or an afternoon option and lunch and refreshments are included. So it would be wonderful to see you there. Visit our events page on our website that's cornerstoneseducation.co.uk to book your two free places. Thank you for listening and it's back to the podcast. Hi there, just a quick announcement. The initial teacher training core content framework has actually been released this month, November 2019, so earlier than we mentioned in the podcast. Welcome again to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure. Uh, For those of you who are listening and want to check out my first podcast with Sam, it was episode 33. And in that episode, we talked mainly about the curriculum because that was obviously a very big issue nationally. It still is, but we talked about that. And we did touch upon teacher training and teacher retention, but we're really going to talk a bit more about that today because of your recent work that you've been doing with the DfE to lead the ITT advisory group. That was back in May, wasn't it, Sam? you're asked to lead that so what was the original purpose of that group yeah well it actually links to a couple of things the the most recent of which is the uh, the dfe teacher recruitment and retention strategy that was published back in january right for about 18 months i've been in the advisory group to that and it's still going that was a very broad kind of complex strategy really trying to tackle what is a problem in terms of teacher I think I think the biggest problem is teacher retention which then leads on to a problem in terms of teacher recruitment because the more people you lose the more you need to replace them mm. uh, which the DfE has sort of finally acknowledged is a big problem it, it, I think it was in slight denial for a while and committed to this strategy a big part of which is thing called the early career framework yeah which will be coming in as a national rollout from September 2021 mm. we piloted from September 2020 and what that is is two years sort of entitlement for NQTs and RQTs to have ongoing support and development uh, in order to help them keep sort of progressing their knowledge and understanding practice and um, the first two years after they've qualified which is a great thing because mm. the other thing that I think my role in this kind of links to is having been on the Carter review of initial teacher training which was a review that DfE commissioned back in 2014 
where we spent quite a lot of time looking at all the different routes into teacher training, talking to lots of people who were involved in those routes and also lots of experts who knew what you needed to know and be able to do in order to be a competent and confident teacher. And the conclusion that we came to, uh, which we did report but didn't at the time get picked up, was that there was just far too much to do in far too short a time for the vast majority of routes in initial teacher training education. And we are potentially setting up NQTs to feel like failures um, because we've had so little time with them before they're then sort of set free on the world. Mm. And in some contexts have unrealistic expectations laid on them, partly driven by the accountability framework, which kind of leads school leaders to need them to hit the ground running. But it's not realistic. So Teacher Recruitment Intervention Strategy, published in January, announced the early career framework in the timescale that I've already said. At the time, being on the group, I said that what, one of the things that we found through the Carter Review was that some teacher training providers, particularly where schools were centrally involved, had partly addressed that problem of teacher training not being long enough mm. by continuing to support NQTs and RQTs that they went on to employ and sort of creating a bit of a seamless join between what happened in initial teacher training and then what they had in the first two years or sometimes more, more than that. What the, the work of the group that I'm chairing is, is trying to do then is kind of help with that seamless join. So if we're going to get the maximum benefit out of what the early career teachers will receive, mm. we need to make sure they've had the foundation in a way that's visible and recognisable to them so that the, in their IT courses, so that they can continue to benefit without having to sort of relearn or readjust to different terminology, etc. what they'll get in the early career framework. So... The framework that we are drafting and have had a lot of consultation on in the last few weeks and are therefore redrafting will give the kind of bare bones of entitlement in terms of what all good, I well, not what all ITT courses need to cover. It's not a full curriculum. There are plenty of opportunity and, and indeed need for providers to build their own things around that, which we know they already do brilliantly to reflect their local context mm. and their local needs. Uh, but it does stipulate a minimum entitlement and it's laid out in a way that is very recognisable, kind of recognisably aligned to the early career framework, follows the same format as the early career framework and therefore will help with that, what we're tending to call velcroing between ITT and early career support. Sorry, that was a long answer. Uh, it's fine, <laughs> it's covered. It <laughs> no, no, it's fine because it's covered a, a lot of my questions, yeah. which is about that alignment. And yeah. you, could, uh, you know, I can see what you mean by the velcroing of it yeah. because it's it's got to be distinct but also aligned, yes, hasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And flow one flow yes. into the other. How uh, can you give the listeners some examples of? Yeah, what alignment so I, I might think happen? I think the whole formatting of how we're presenting the framework. Um, is, is incredibly aligned to a point where it's kind of in your face, really. Mm. Um, so if you're familiar with the format of the Early Career Framework, it's organised into two columns, a Know That column and a Know How column. Mm. The Know That column is actually completely the same. We haven't changed it at all okay. in the ITE framework. So if you're familiar with that column, you'll be familiar with the sort of the spine, if you like, of what's going to be in the ITE framework. The bit that's different is the Know How column, um, and that is simply to reflect what we're trying to achieve with this is a kind of spiral curriculum. So in the ITE bit, we're laying the foundation through the kinds of things that happen in ITE, which will then be come back to and revisited at a higher level when, when early career teachers are in their NQT and RQT years, when they have their own children that they're accountable to with their own parents and senior leadership teams and governors and so on. There are things that can you can do in a different way at that yeah. point 
to what, to what you need as a sort of foundation in ITE. So the learn how column, again, it has quite a lot of similarity. There are some bits that are the same because there are some bits that you just need to keep practicing and observing mm. and getting better at. But we've put a bigger emphasis on the, on, on the kind of things that have to happen in ITE. So we put a big emphasis on the fact that a lot of time is spent in school and that there's uh, the central role of the mentor in school, but not only the mentor, the other people that the mentor brings into the kind of support for trainees. So we're encouraging schools to expose trainees to lots of different kinds of expertise that relate to different aspects of the early, of the, so what will now be the ITE framework. Mm. Um, we know from Carter that that works really well when, when mentors give a lot of time and thought as to how they do that. And sometimes that expert might not even be a teacher, it might be somebody who's a pastoral lead. Mm. Um, it just depends on which aspect it is that, that we're looking at. So we put a big emphasis on that. We put a big emphasis on the importance of comparing and contrasting and critiquing because all trainees have at least two different school experiences, often quite yeah. a lot more than that. And there's a great value in comparing and contrasting different approaches that schools will take and understanding their rationale for it. So there's a big emphasis, for example, in the section that's on curriculum, what we talked about last mm. time. You know, different schools have taken very different approaches to how they've constructed their mm. curriculum. It's really helpful for trainees needs to get on the inside of that and understand it yeah. because when they're NQT you know they'll be having to um, implement a, a, a different school different curriculum and, and to, to kind of understand the rationale is going to be really important for that so hopefully that gives you a rough idea yeah definitely yeah. very much focused on the how because yeah. I, I mean I know from my own personal experience doing a PGC I mean that was back in the 90s there were only certain elements I think when I look back that immediately helped me. Yeah. The rest was really <laughs> in at the deep end. And yes. Finding absolutely. out as I went, and like yeah. you say, it's very important. People are very important. Mentors. So important. You know, other subject experts. Yeah. Behaviour experts yeah. in school. Absolutely. And nowadays, there's a lot of focus on research and yeah. research-backed and evidence-based yes. teaching approaches. So, you know, all of that woven into that yeah. early career experience for teachers could give them the experience they need early on to sort of give them the grounding and what makes you a good teacher and what helps you develop as a teacher. Absolutely. All those things are very important and they shouldn't stop when your teacher training Absolutely ends. Absolutely not, no. Um, I had one mentor but they didn't mentor me yeah. <laughs> in practice. They yeah. said to me, I won't name names, no. but she said, are you all right, love? And yeah. I sort of said, um, I think so. And that was it. That was yeah. my so-called mentoring. And there were different reasons for that. It was a different mm. era. And, you know, I think she thought maybe I would just learn on the job. And in some mm. ways I did, mm. but I would have definitely benefited from, you know, an, a proper mentor, I think, one yeah. or two. Could you tell us a little bit about the mentoring? Yeah. So, I mean, I know from my own personal experience, a bit like yours, but also from my PhD research, mm. that mentoring is really fundamentally important. If we're going to be developing teachers as professionals, mm. they don't just learn by osmosis on the job. They do learn a lot through do, through that, but they need somebody to help them make sense of their experiences mm. and to give them expert input. And through the Carter Review, we found that mentoring could be the make or break thing. If somebody had had a really good mentor, Is that they important? Felt, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, we found that some of the people we spoke to, particularly when we were talking to NQTs and RQTs, um, those who'd had a good mentor felt that I'd accelerated their development and their expertise, but really importantly, the sort of a sense of self-value and, mm. and job satisfaction enormously. 
Uh, you also found you know, examples of the converse. And I know through the, the research that the DfE have been doing in terms of retention, it can be the lack of a good mentor or, or even worse than that, a toxic mentoring relationship that can be a deciding factor in why people leave. Mm. Um, so it really does matter. We found that through the Karsh review and um, it's coming up again and again in our discussions that we're having around this ITE review, particularly now we're consulting on, on drafts. Uh, it's also going to be a really important dimension in the early career framework, so mentoring for NQTs and RQTs, which certainly for NQTs has always been there, but again, incredibly variable. Mm. Um, through the early career framework, we're hoping the status of mentors will be increased. It'll be recognised as something that's really important. There will be high-quality mentor training available for those mentors. I was going to ask mentors. about that, yeah. So that's so going to be quite important in terms yeah. of the, the, non, the, non, the know that bit. There might be some things that some some current mentors are unfamiliar with and the training will really help with that often those are the same people who also mentor ITE students so we think there'll be some spin-off benefits mm. for ITE from the early career framework but actually the DfE are sort of sitting up and listening and recognizing the importance of this area and I think there might be that there'll be more that they do in this area I mean an example of something they're definitely doing and have already committed to is the specialist MPQs that they're going to develop as part of the sort of lifelong career sort of support and development that was um, talked about in the recruitment and retention strategy. And the first of these specialist MPQs will be the teacher-developer one, and that will be people who are experienced mentors. I don't think every mentor would do an MPQ, mm. but I think you, you often find, certainly we find in our partnerships, there's a sort of uber mentor who might be coordinating others, sometimes across a range of schools, maybe in a teaching school alliance or a mat, or, or even just in a big school where yeah. there's a lot of mentoring going on. They, they play a crucial role in, in terms of what I was saying earlier about making sure that trainees are systematically exposed to and sharing with a range of different expertise in, across a partnership. And so the, the special assembly queue will really help with that. But I, I feel like if we get it right, the things that are happening with ITE, the things that are happening with the early career framework, things that are happening with the specialist MPQs and some of the other changes that are happening with other MPQs, is we can change the narrative around teacher support and development and bring mentoring and coaching in as seen as something that's really central to it and therefore the importance of those teachers who take on that role being recognised in terms of time, in terms of it being something really good to have on your CV, because it is. So it's quite an exciting time, but you know, it won't be without its challenges because there are, uh, you know, there are issues for schools to cope with in terms of timetabling and release time and budgets being tight and all the rest of it. You know, it might feel like a, a certain amount of hassle, but I hope schools get behind it because actually, if they do, you know, it changes the dynamic. It changes the, the sense of worth and the sense of personal development that teachers will get early in their careers, but also that those who are supporting them will have in terms of their agency and, and could make teaching feel like a much more satisfying and sort of professionally rewarding career than maybe it currently does to some people. So I think it's an important dimension in the overall narrative. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you say, if there's going to be less likelihood for those teachers to then give up and, and leave... Uh, and they want to stay on in that school yeah. or in that multi-academy trust or just, just stay in teaching. Absolutely. We're going to have more well-trained teachers yeah. out there and, yes. and working, and that's exactly. what we want. We don't want teachers leaving in their droves who, who've gone through all of that yes. training and had all that experience yeah. and so much to give. It's a tragedy that you know yeah. they, they are lost to the profession, those yeah. people. What will we see next with all of this then, Sam? Okay, depending on you know politics and mm. elections and all the rest of it, the timeline for 
for publication is in is after Christmas, sometime in the new year. I think technically the word is spring, <laughs> which could stretch <laughs> which right could mean January to May. <laughs> yeah, I mean the yeah. sooner the better. Yeah, uh, 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 we hope there won't be any need to delay, but it's really hard in the current political climate to be sure about that. Yeah, the sooner it's in people's hands, the better, mm. because of uh, the need for it to be implemented from September at the yeah. same time as the new IT Ofsted framework comes in. Right. So schools listening to this, say some of the head teachers I've been talking to, if they want to keep up to date with everything, they can follow your account on Twitter because you you. <laughs> or is there anywhere is there anywhere that they can keep abreast of it if they already have mentorship and there are sorry if I'm yeah. getting all the terminology no, wrong, but if they already do teacher training in their school or their multi academy trust do it, uh, yeah. where can they find out the latest about? Uh, I mean, I suppose the first popular call is to talk to your provider because mm. we're trying to keep providers up to speed. USET and Nasbit are both represented on the advisory group that I chair. Yeah. Yeah. And between them, they, they represent, you know, most, well, I think technically all routes in the sector. Right. We also have Teach First on the advisory group as well. So people should be, in terms of the providers, should should have a fair idea of what's going on. And they, they will no doubt be talking to their partner schools about mentor training. Certainly we are doing that here. Yeah. But actually just familiarising yourself with the early career framework is a really good starting point. Mm. Because as I've said, the, the left-hand column is, is identical. So although you you know it might be frustrating until it's published not to know exactly what's going to be in the right-hand column, you can pretty much predict it from the left-hand column. So yeah. just in terms of getting yourself ready, that is probably a very good use of time, is just to get your head around that. Yeah. How is curriculum yeah. design and the curriculum being taught to teacher trainers at the moment, or what is the plans for, for yeah. it to be Yeah, well, involved? obviously, we talked about this last <laughs> yeah. time. Um, I don't think it's ever gone away completely in ITE because Mm. ITE providers know it's an important part of how you learn in terms of thinking about students learning, children's learning over time. The curriculum is a a major factor in that, in how you sequence learning and you think about concepts and skills and how they need to be developed in this kind of spiral way. I think it's true to say our framework will give it an an emphasis. If you look at the early career framework, you'll see it's there in that too. And so, you know, there's a whole section on, on curriculum and, and, and subject knowledge and the relationship between curriculum, subject and pedagogy and the importance of trainees spending time when they're in school talking to schools and subjects about how they've designed their curricula and kind of understanding the different choices that have been made. And like I said earlier, some real merit in your IT uh, in, in hopefully being able to compare and contrast that and having, mm-hmm. you know, ideally two slightly different approaches that you can you can kind of compare. And then you can look at the evidence base for yeah. and you can situate it in research and, you know, different ideologies come into that as well. Uh, and I think for me, that is kind of at the heart of what creating a good professional should be, is putting mm-hmm. people in a position where they are becoming critical consumers of different approaches Mm. and situating those approaches in literature and maybe beginning in a tentative way to come to their own sort of views about that which will then help them thin through their NQT, RQT year and beyond. I wish I'd had that element Mm. in my PGCE. I think I'm sure a lot of people listening, if you did train in the 80s, 90s, uh, I'm sure there were different courses and different course content, but I just remember doing subjects on their own. I I don't think I ever looked at the overview of a curriculum design and the rationale behind why you've 
constructed a curriculum in, in that yeah. way. So that's really promising to hear that. And for trainees and early career teachers to see a broader range of different examples. Absolutely. A broader range of schools is also yes, good, isn't really, it? Because totally, yeah. every school, as we know, is completely mm. different. Okay, so listeners, if you want yeah. to find out more about that, take a look at the DFE website as well as the teacher trainer providers. Mm. And yeah, we'll look forward to seeing that document mm. in the new year, in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> That's as close <laughs> That's as we get. Uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for joining us today, Sam. Oh, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. Mm.